This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So that's what a person looks like who really has Christ as his Lord. That's the picture. He's on the hunt for a command or an instruction that he just hasn't yet incorporated into his life. And he wants to incorporate the commands, the instructions of Christ into his life. This is the last thing on the mind of these Pharisees. They have no intention of doing that. And Christ went on to explain what it's like for a person to call him Lord, and here's what his instruction, and he said to do and not to do. He said in, in Luke 6.46, that passage, Luke 6.46, why call ye me Lord and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Both persons built a house. Both houses looked the same. Both houses were beautiful, both houses looked like they were strong, both houses looked like they were sturdy, both houses looked like they're gonna last 100 years and withstand whatever storm came its way. But the point was that outwardly, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell the difference between one house built on the rock and the other house was built on the earth, the sand. Both houses looked the same. One house just looked as strong as the other. Same size, same material, same windows, same doors. No difference between the two houses. And you and I would have said both the houses are the same. That's all. But there was a huge difference in the houses and the difference was not seen. It was not apparent to the eye because the difference was buried under the ground. 
where you couldn't see there. You couldn't see that one house was built on the rock and the other house was built on the sand or the earth. You could not know that because the rock is under the ground. Both houses were heavy. So if you pushed on the houses, neither house moved. One was as solid to you, looked as solid as the other. But the difference was that one house, the builder said to himself, I'm not building this house just for show. I'm not building a house just for the temporary. I'm building a house for when the storm comes. I'm building a house to last forever. It would be a whole lot easier for me, the builder would say, it'd be a whole lot easier for me, a whole lot cheaper to set the foundation of my house on sand, on dirt, and be done with it, and have my house look just as good as all the other houses, but not me. I'm not that kind of builder. I'm building for keeps. I'm gonna dig down and dig down and dig down and dig down until I hit rock, and that's what I'm gonna set the foundation of my house on, solid rock, because I know those storms can come. Now, by contrast, the other builder said, time is money. Time is money, and I want a quick house to go up. I'm not gonna spend my strength and my time digging down to a rock, my house will look just as good as everyone else's houses, and we never get those strong storms, so my quick-to-build house on the sand is gonna be just fine and up went his house. And then it happened. Then it happened, that so-called 100-year storm, whatever they call it. It came, and the house on the rock looked just as strong as when it was constructed, but the house on the sand, well, it was all broken up, just piles, just piles of materials. And people, then walked by the two houses and said, well, now we know. Now we know who took the time and the trouble to make sure that their house was built on the rock and who said it, and now we know who said it doesn't matter and built his house, house easily, more easily. And Christ said that that was the one difference between a person who just hears Christ's words, instructions, and doesn't bother to change his life to obey what Christ said, he built his house on the sand. And for that person, that was no problem until the storm came until that storm came. But for the other person who took the time and trouble to make sure his house was built on the rock, he built his house with that storm in mind. And when that storm did come, he said, just as I expected, and his house stood. And Christ said that that's like the person who not only heard what Christ said, but also did it, all because he built his house with the storm in mind. It reminds me in what happened in Loretto. You know, I sleep with earplugs. Don't ever call me at night, I'll never hear the phone and they won't get an answer. Anyway, about four years ago, as I was asleep with my earplugs on and I, and I got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and so I put one foot down on the floor and splish splash, my foot was in water. And so, you know, you kind of sleep and I thought, well, maybe it was just a dream, maybe I spilled some water or something like that. So I put my other foot down on the ground and splish splash, you know, it was <laughs> the house was flooded, downstairs and upstairs. And uh, there had been a, uh, unexpected two-hour hurricane with winds that were very strong, and they, they blew the rain sideways into the, and they came through the sliding glass doors and the windows of the house that faces the ocean. And so I called my friend at two in the morning. We spent the rest of the night and the, getting the water out of the house. As a consequence, I changed all the doors, all the doors and the windows to the ones that come from Florida that withstand 150-mile-an-hour <laughs> winds with rain, you know. And for the new retreat house, the new beach house, you know, building that house for the Category 5 hurricane, you know. The Category 5 hurricane, John, that did come and stayed in Loretto for two days in September 1st in 2006 with greater than 150 mile an hour winds. But for me, that's all I think about in construction now. 
How would these doors and these windows hold up to the Category 5 Hurricane John? It also reminds me of the time when we were looking for a site in, um, to build our Scantibodies Ethiopia compound. And at first, we looked about 45 miles north of uh, the capital, Addis Ababa, and we were offered a piece of land up there, and it looked really nice. You know, it was beautiful. It was uh, on a paved road, and only 13% of the roads were paved in Ethiopia, and had trees, and I thought, what's not to like about this place? But then uh, until a local person came over as we were standing there, and he pointed with his finger, and he says, uh, he was explained to us, he says, you know, if you build your building here, and then he pointed about 50 feet away, he says, during the rainy season, your building will float over to here. <laughs> Well, that was all we had to hear, and we did some investigation, and we found out that whole area up there in Legatafo is all unstable ground. And so, therefore, we, we located about three hours south of the capital in Boudajur, where the ground doesn't move during the rainy season. As a matter of fact, this whole parable of the of building on the rock, we have a demonstration of that right here. When you go outside this building here, and you look over there but next to the chapel where they're building those thousand uh, apartment units there, you look down that direction on that site and you can see very tall drilling machines. And those drilling machines are drilling large diameter holes all the way down to bedrock. They're gonna be filled with concrete as columns and that's what those new apartment buildings are gonna be built on because the city of San Diego is telling those builders, you will be a wise builder and you're gonna build your house on the rock because the land also has this problem over here. Anyway, so the Pharisees and the Herodians, they called Jesus Christ master only because they heard what Jesus was saying, but they were not obeying what Jesus said and they were, they were putting their houses squarely on the sand. Now the Pharisees have made a statement that sets them up, actually they were trying to set up Christ, but they really set themselves up into a perfect position of being the builder who built his house on the sand compared to the builder who built his house on the rock. And it's this statement that they made that's so profound in verse 16, in verse 16, where they said, Master, we know that thou art true. So here they set themselves up because here were the Pharisees saying, we know that thou art true. And that statement is so much like another Pharisee. Here's how they set themselves up. They set themselves up to be compared with another Pharisee who came to Jesus by night and said almost the same words in John 3.2. John 3.2, when that Pharisee, whose name was Nicodemus, said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Though the Pharisees in verse 16 say, Master, we know that thou art. And then another Pharisee in John 3, 2 said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. That was, that was Nicodemus. Both called Jesus the leading teacher, Rabbi or Master. Both said that they knew that Jesus was true or come from God. Both sounded like they were ready and to trust and obey Jesus, so then what was the difference between the Pharisees in verse 16 and Nicodemus the Pharisee? For one, it was just words with no heart behind the words. Just like God said in Isaiah 29, 13, Isaiah 29, 13, wherefore the Lord said, for as much, you can almost see him pointing to those people in verse 16, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, 
and with their lips they do honor me. They called him master, we know, but have removed their heart far from me. So Jehovah Jesus already had spoken these words about the leaders of the Jewish people hundreds of years before he was standing there as a man, Jesus Christ, and now he stands before the Jewish leaders again, fully seen by them, and they're saying to him in verse 16, Master, we know that thou art true. And as Jesus hears these words being said to him, he's thinking, I already said this. In Isaiah 29, 13, Isaiah 29, 13, this people draw near me with their mouth, but their lips do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me. So the difference between these Pharisees in verse 16 and another Pharisee, Nicodemus, was that these Pharisees in verse 16 had removed their heart far from Christ and they weren't ready, and, and they were ready to destroy Christ, as a matter of fact. Whereas in contrast, Nicodemus had put his heart very close to Christ so that Nicodemus was ready to put his trust in Christ and obey Christ. So this one Pharisee, Nicodemus, I'm talking about Nicodemus, this one Pharisee, Nicodemus, said one word, just one word, one little word, three-letter word, one word that these other Pharisees did not say, this one word, and that one word set the heart of Nicodemus close to Christ, and that one word that the Pharisees in verse 16 did not say set their heart worlds apart from Christ. And that one word that Nicodemus said made Nicodemus a true follower of Jesus Christ. The one word Nicodemus said made him a wise man that built his house on the rock. Just one little three-letter word in John 3.3, 3, John 3.3. 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? That one three-letter word that Nicodemus, the Pharisee, set the course of Nicodemus to heaven. And that one little three-letter word that the Pharisees did not say set their course to hell. Just one word, one word that made all the difference between a wise man building his house on the rock and a foolish man building his house on the sand. One little word that set the heart of Nicodemus so close to Christ that he was helped. And that same word that was missing put him so far away. You know what that word was? Yes. How. That's the word, how. H-O-W, how. That word, how, makes all the difference between the wise man and the foolish man. That word, how, makes a difference between being close to God and far from God. That word, how, makes a difference between heaven and hell. It's just that simple. And Nicodemus said that one word, how, in John 3, 4, when Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb or be born? Jesus had said, Unless a man is born again, he cannot go to heaven. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Because when Nicodemus heard Jesus say in John 3, 3, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus heard Jesus say in John 3, 3, verily, verily I say unto thee, except Nicodemus be born again. Nicodemus cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus responded in John 3, 4, John 3, 4, how can a man be born again? What he was really saying in John 3, 4, how can Nicodemus 
be born when Nicodemus is old. See, that's what Nicodemus was saying but to Jesus Christ. He was saying, please tell me how, so please help me by telling me how. And that's why that one word, how, made all the difference for Nicodemus. That was the same way, word how, it made the difference for you and me. That's the same way that the word how should be on our lips when we open the Bible and we go on the hunt for these commands from Christ that we haven't obeyed, we should be just like Nicodemus and say that one little word, how, show me how, Lord, how. For example, we go on the hunt in the Bible for commands that we haven't followed, and we find, for example, that Christ says in Matthew 5.44, Matthew 5.44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And our response is the Nicodemus response. How? How, Lord? Please show me which enemies I have. You'll find them, don't worry. Which enemies I have and how I can bless them and that curse me. I don't know how. How can I do good to them that hate me? I don't know how. How can I pray for them that are abusing me? I can't pray from my heart. I hate them. So show me how I can transform. How can I transform for those who are persecuting me? How, Lord, show me how to do this. Help me with the how I can do this. This is the way that the word how set apart the doer from just the hearer of the word. James 1.23, James 1.23. If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man, unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For if he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and not a continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. So responding to Christ's words with how makes us a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. It's so significant that in verse 16, there was this group of Pharisees who opposed the Lord. It was a group in verse 16. And in John 3, it was just one. It was just one Pharisee, the Nicodemus, who came to Christ with his heart. There's a group in verse 16, and John 3, 3, there's just one Pharisee. Group of Pharisees, one Pharisee. What it shows us? It shows us that so often, if a person is gonna come to Christ, he's gotta be willing to step out from the group. He's gotta be willing to separate from the group. And this is what Nicodemus did. After Christ died, and his dead body was still on the cross, it was Nicodemus, the only Pharisee that was so visibly seen in John 19, 39, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a 100-pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. So we know that the place where Jesus was crucified was a very, very public place. It was like a stage, an elevated stage around Jerusalem, by Jerusalem, seen by many one Pharisee, Nicodemus, came with Joseph of Arimathea with his hands full of all those burial spices. And when that one person, Nicodemus, set up that ladder on that cross and climbed up that ladder, Nicodemus was saying to the world, you do what you want to me, you say what you want to me, but I'm a worshiper and a follower of Jesus Christ. And he paid a price. There's a price 
There's a price to be paid to follow Jesus Christ, and that's the price of separation from the group that rejects Christ. And Nicodemus paid that price, and the Apostle Paul paid that price, and it was a costly price to be paid, but it was worth it. Well, then the Pharisees in verse 16, they go on. So, you know, sometimes I can't tell you how, but I just get a real blessing when I'm speaking to defiant, stubborn, lost Jewish people. I get such a blessing sometimes. <laughs> They're trying their best to discourage me, to crush me, but sometimes I walk away so greatly encouraged, and the amazing thing is that it's, it's something they don't even know that they've said, but it blesses my soul. And God promised that, actually. He said, when you go to the Jewish people to bless them, God says, there's a special gift for you, and that hasn't changed since it was first made to Abraham in Genesis 12.3, Genesis 12.3, when God said, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You cannot be a better blessing to the Jewish people than when you, in love, bring them the Lord Jesus Christ. You bring the Lord Jesus Christ to them, you bring them to Christ. You can't. You try your best to show them how happy they can be in Christ. And sometimes a lost Jewish person will say something that's such a great blessing. This is one of these times. Right here, the Pharisees have just said something that is a great blessing. And it says in verse 16, verse 16, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. That's beautiful. Christ teaches the way of God in truth. That's the description of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Beautiful description. He teaches the way of God in truth. In other words, he teaches the true way of God. There's a true way of God. There's a true way of God to come to God. The true way of God to come to God is in John 14, 6. John 14, 6, where Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the true way of God to God. It reminds me of an account of a missionary in Portuguese Angola in the early 1900s, and uh, John Olford, and he had just led an African chief to Christ. And then John Olford asked the chief, he said, chief, is there another tribe nearby that I could tell about Christ? And the chief said, oh yes, it's over there, just on the other side of that jungle. So John Olford uh, wanted to go there, and, and he said, Chief, am I gonna get there? And the chief said, no problem. He beat some drums and yelled out something. And, and this big, bare-chested, muscular African man appears, and the chief told him, says, take, take this white man through the jungle over there, the other tribe. So they started out, and John Olford, British man, you know, he has his compass, and he's going everywhere. He's changing his compass, you know. As they're going into the thick brush, he can hardly see anything, but he's kind of, and so he's following close behind this African and the, the John Olford saying, well, they seem to turn this way. They seem to turn that way. You know, he says, John Olford started getting discouraged. It's starting to get dark. So he stops the African guide and he says, now tell me the truth. Do you really know the way through the jungle? <laughs> he says, and the African man showed him, he says, he says uh, you see that machete mark on the tree? And he says, I made that mark. And the African showed him a scar on his arm. He says, you see this scar on my arm? And uh, he says, uh, yeah, he says, I got cut on this trail going to the tribe. And the African man pointed to the back and he said, you see my back? He says, yeah, he says, quit trying to find the way yourself. He says, follow my back. He says, I am the way. And that was that. And that's how Jesus Christ says to us. He says, just follow me. Christ says, I am the way. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.